I just love those life-changing, God-moving stories. So church, why don't we welcome those who might be watching online or listening to this on podcast. Can we just say hello and we're so glad you're here. And if, if you're ever in the uh, uh, Kapiti Coast, just feel free to join us on one of our services. We, we're so glad that you're joining us for this message today. And wherever you are in the world, we pray this would touch your heart as much as it's touched ours. Lord, just bless this word today. Father, help us learn, help us grow. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. So this is part three of a uh, four-part series called Not Ashamed, and it's based off of Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where Paul, the great apostle, declared this. He says, for I am not ashamed. Everybody say, not ashamed. ashamed. Tap your neighbor now and say, I'm not ashamed. Come on. Oh, Lord. Yeah, come on. I like how Grace said it. I said, I'm not ashamed. Come on, you say, you say it like, like a black man now. Come on, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Oh, yeah. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Paul understood the power of God. Why? Because he used to persecute the church. He had an encounter with God, an encounter with God's power, and the persecutor became a preacher. God turned his life around. God changed his story, and he can change your story today. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone. Everybody say everyone. That means for everyone. Not just for special people. Not just for special people. It's for everyone. You're here today and you go, man, I don't know if God can love a person like me. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter who you are. The good news of the gospel is it's about what God has done, not what you have done. His grace and favor is towards you. He loves you. How do I know that? Because 2,000 years ago, the Bible tells, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whomsoever believeth in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Here's why. For in it, in what? In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. What does that mean? It's not your righteousness. It's not based on the things you do. I'm going to help old ladies across the road. I'm going to do that and try and earn some brownie points from God. Friend will never be able to do it. The good news of the gospel is a righteousness that comes from God is revealed to us. And I've said through this series, I've never been ashamed of the gospel, but I have at sometimes been embarrassed by it, or rather not the message of the gospel, but rather the presentation of the gospel. And so one of the things we're doing through this series is helping us as believers, I guess, present rightly. I, I mean, uh, think around the thing, because I want to tell you, the message never changes, but the methods can. And so if we want people to understand the message of the gospel, we need to look at and understand the methods that we can use to share the power of God's love with other people. And as we looked at last week, as a follower of Christ, we are called, every single one of us, you can't just say it's just for the professionals, it's just for the pastors, but as followers of Christ, if you're a disciple of Jesus, we, you and I are called to unashamedly deliver the gospel message to a hurting world. It's our mission and it's our ministry. It's our mission because Jesus said this in Mark 16 verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
That's our mission. That's what God has called us to do. It's for everyone, not just for the select few. If you follow Christ here today, it's your mandate. It's your mission. It's your ministry. Some people say, Pastor, what's my ministry? What am I called to do? I want to tell you, to reach the world, to share the good news of Jesus Christ is our ministry as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul says this, God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, has given us, everybody say us. Tap your neighbor and say, it's talking to you. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. Pastor, what's my ministry? Here's your ministry. You have a ministry of reconciliation and that God has reconciled you to himself. But I want to tell you, that's not to keep to your bad self. That message of reconciliation ain't to keep to me. Oh, I'm saved. I don't care about you. I don't care about you. I got my ticket. I'm in. No, no, no. He has given you a ministry. Everybody say, I've got a ministry. Anybody got a ministry? Give me a wave now. Come on, come on now. You've got a ministry. Oh, Lord, I love it. Uh, Paul Fleming said a joke the other day. I thought that he's like, do you know why the queen doesn't wave with this arm? He says, because it's my arm. Okay, this is slowly working its way through the, uh, through the crowd over there. But you have a, <laughs> you have, okay, it was a bad joke, okay? Paul, it was a bad joke. The, the, the ministry, wherever you are, where are you? The, the, the ministry, you have a mission and you have a ministry. The other service didn't get that joke, so I didn't give it, so especially for you guys. So, so you have a mission and you have a ministry. He has given you the ministry of reconciliation. You and I are called to help reconcile people back to God. That is our mission. That is our ministry. But what stops us from sharing? Well, we looked at it. Fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. Fear of man. All these things stop us from sharing the gospel. And we know that Paul said to Timothy, though, fear shouldn't stop us because we have not been given. Listen, it says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, for God has not given us. You're feeling fear. You're feeling those things. You've got to understand that's not from God. God has not given us. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and, come on, what else? And power and a sound mind. That's what he's given you. The enemy will attack your mind. He'll attack your heart. He'll attack those things. But you have not been given a spirit of fear. And, 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 and we're, we're, my thing is we're going to feel the fear and do it anyway. Reach out anyway. Let love drive us. I had a situation this week where I had to overcome fear. And I, I thought I've, I've, I've been speaking out on this. I need to practice it. We've been on this tour. We've traveled around. I think we've done 10 flights, six cities in six days. And uh, preaching to New Life pastors all around the place. And again, we're seeing the launch of Brave Church today. Now, you've got to understand when they're launching, they're not launching with five people. They've got over 100 people on day one. So it's launching. They've been working on it for over a year. There are about 70,000 people around the world praying, joining with us, praying for that service to be launched right now as part of a New Life and Ark Church initiative. So 70,000 people around the earth. In 11 days' time, we're going to launch another church in Tauranga. And then uh, by, hopefully by the end of this year, we're going to learn launch another church in Gisborne. So all starting off with a hundred or so people from day one. So uh, come on, get excited about that. That's pretty cool. 
But so we've been going around the whole, whole, whole nation from uh, Queenstown. It was tough down there, tough down there, reaching the people in Queenstown. I want to tell you, looking out over the mountains, it's like uh, distracting. But the, we, we, were, we were out there going from place to place, and it hasn't always uh, been easy. We did have some awkward moments that were there. I, as we finished in Queenstown, I'm walking through the airport and going to catch the plane, and people are smiling at me like, <laughs> like oh, that's kind of weird, yeah. <laughs> uh, like then they're all, and anyway, I get to the security thing, got to take my laptop out, put it out, go through the x-ray thing, and as I'm going through the x-ray thing, there's a lady there with one of those sort of buzzer things, and I'm like, and she's like, no, <laughs> she just smiled at me, and it's like, no, no, carry on, carry on, and I said, no, what, 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 I was like, dear, what, what's wrong, and as I turned around, Anita said, your fly is wide open, I'm just walking through Queenstown, come on, somebody, and that has nothing to do with the gospel, but it was an awkward moment. But we had another moment when we picked up Pastor Joel from Glow Church on the Gold Coast. We picked him up. He'd just flown in. And so we're about to get ready to do some ministry and fly to Nelson. And so we got to the Corrie Lounge. We're sitting there. We just sit down. And in walks the Prime Minister. In walks the Prime Minister. He sits there. And he sits just about where Neil and Miriam are sitting. And I'm, I said to Anita, I said, look there. There's, there's, there's John English. There's John English there. And, and, and I was like, oh. And I'm thinking, I... I I need to practice what I preach. I'm going to go and talk to him. I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to feel the fear and do it anyway. And of course, all the security were there and stuff. And so I'm like, our flight gets called. I'm right. This is it. This is it. So I go up to him and I said, hello, Mr. Prime Minister. How are you? And he said, Adam, I've always wanted to meet you. No, he didn't say that. I was just like, I went up and I should have said, hi, Mr. Prime Minister. He stood up. We ended up having a chat for a couple of minutes and uh, talking about it. And then I had to go and catch the plane. He said, oh, can I take a selfie with you? I said, not today, but maybe some other, uh, other time. That's why it, uh, that didn't really happen, okay? You can work out the bits that didn't happen. But, but, but I wish it did. I wish Anita had been taking her, uh, but she was freaking out because the security was aiming uh, for us because they were like, mad pastor on sector six, mad pastor. But anyway, we're, we're told. But, I, but here's the thing is we, we did that. I, I felt the fear and did it anyway. When it comes to evangelism, some of us are going to feel the fear and do it anyway. Because why? Not, not because we're just trying to be brave, but because a person's eternity could be at stake. Come on, I'm preaching good. A person's eternity could be at stake if we don't, if we allow and give in to fear. A person's eternity. It wasn't until I was walking through the airport as we uh, went away and I suddenly went to, oh, I said to Anita, his name is not John English. His name is Bill English. It's Bill English. And then I had another revelation, epiphany in the middle of the night. I suddenly woke up and thought, oh my goodness, Johnny English is Mr. Bean in that spy movie. It could have gone down in a whole different way. I might have been arrested. I wouldn't have even gone on the tour because I'm mocking the prime minister. It was just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, feel the fear and do it anyway. Come on, somebody. But fear stops us. It's a, it's a trap. But another reason, another reason we don't share is because we don't know what the gospel is. We don't share the gospel because we don't know what the gospel is. And so what I want to do in the time that we have, and there's literally thousands of scriptures we could use, but in the few minutes that we have, I want to give you a bit of a framework. And this framework is like a skeleton that you can put around your story, that you can put around your message, that just helps you go, here's, here's some basics of the gospel. It's not all, it's not that there's hundreds of scriptures that can be used, but I'm just using some just to give you a framework that I hope helps you in your sharing of the gospel, in your preaching the gospel to all creation. So here it is. Are you ready? Thank you, for all five of you. I said, are you ready? 
I mean, because what I'm talking about here, this is a life-saving course. Right now we're doing a life-saving course. What I'm about to share with you can can save a life. And if you're here today and you're visiting and you're going, what is it these Christians are all all on about? What is it they talk about a redeemer? There's a redeemer. There's us. We need a savior. What, what, What does that mean? Well, while you're here today, this is what we're talking about. This is what we call the gospel, which simply means good news. Everybody say good news. So here it is, number one, number one of this story, the number one piece of framework that we have to stand, uh, understand from the beginning is number one, we're all sinners. We are all sinners. Now, you might not like that, you might be unhappy about that, but the Bible says, and I didn't write it, don't blame me, talk to him, <laughs> says we are all sinners. And it says that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, for all, and all in the Greek means all, okay, <laughs> just to be clear, Everybody. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I want to say this, very important. We are not sinners because we sinned. We sin because we're sinners, okay? We're not sinners because we sin. So what does that mean? It means you are not a sinner because you were just perfect and you were walking along in that situation and somebody stood on your toe and you let out a swear word that you shouldn't have said, oh, no, now I'm a sinner. That is not the gospel. We have to understand, we are sinner, We are not sinners because we sin. We sin before, because we're sinners. In, in other words, this. The Bible teaches us that we have a sin nature. Out of that sin nature comes our, uh, the way we live and the way we talk. Well, what, what does that mean, Pastor? And I shared this illustration before, but it makes the point. Simply this. When my kids were born, and I'm sure yours were angels, but when my kids were born, when they, they came out, they did not come out saying, please and thank you, would you mind passing me the butter and all that type of thing. We had to teach them that. Naturally, what we had to stop them from doing is, Grace, when she wanted the toy that Reuben had, I would have to say, Grace, can you let go of his neck? Please let go of his neck. Stop so you're hurting him, you're strangling him, and Reuben, stop punching your sister. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Now, I didn't have to say, uh, you know, they didn't come out of the womb saying please and thank you. No, they came out punching, they came out fighting, they came out, and I had to teach them because their nature, if it was allowed to flow, he'd be punching and hitting, and Grace would be pulling here and doing all types of things. So we fixed it, Kyle. It's all good. If she ever pulls you here, you let me know. I'll just sort it out. But it's in our nature, isn't it? And we know if we're left to ourselves, we know our sin nature comes out. I know it. Because we're human beings. And don't try and pretend you're all hoity-toity. I, mean, I know you're not as good as you say you are. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so only five of you said amen. Others are like, where's he going? I mean, the, the thing is, it's in us, isn't it? I, I mean, I, I, again, we're walking down the street. I'm a pastor. I see a pretty girl. And then, then the slap comes from Anita. What you looking at? Don't you laugh at me. I know you've got issues as well. You've done it. You've done it. Okay, so, so, so the thing is that, I, that we don't want to do that, but that's our sin nature in us. We don't sin because we're sinners. No, we do. Whatever. I can't remember. I'll read it. See, I made a mistake. See, that's why, because I've messed up. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's by, by nature. See, here, here's the thing. You, you, might, you might say, well, I don't know about me, Pastor. I'm not a sinner. You might be. You might be, but I'm not. Well, I just asked this. Have you ever told a lie? Wow, yeah. So if you've told a lie, what are you? A liar. Uh, there you go. Case solved. <laughs> We're all sinners. All of us have broken the 
Ten Commandments. All of us have broken those things that God has held up. And those things are there to make us aware, as it says, that we fall short of the glory of God because God is holy. Now, listen, if you compare yourself, if you compare your bad self to the bad self in the prison, you go, oh, my Lord, I look fine, mighty fine, mighty fine. But that's not the standard God uses. He doesn't compare you with that person that you don't like or that person who's done a bad thing. He doesn't say, look how good you are because that person's so bad. That's not the standard he uses. God says, I am holy and you fall short. No matter how high you jump or how many old ladies you help across the road, you can't make it. God's saying, I am holy. I am holy. And all of us are sinners and fall short of his glory. His glory. We can't attain it. We can't get there. We can't, uh, we can't do it. That's why we need Jesus. So we're all sinners. Tap your neighbor and say, including you. We are all sinners. The second thing I want us to understand, so it's the framework. We're getting the gospel. So that, that's, where we, that's where we start. All have, uh, all have sin. Now, that, the second thing I want you to see is sin brings death, but Christ brings life. Sin brings death but Christ brings life. Number one, we're all sinners, but number two, sin brings death, but Christ gives life. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages or the penalty or the consequences of sin, remember in the Garden of Eden, uh, uh, Eve and Adam, they partook of the apple. God said, don't touch that tree. Don't touch the tree. Don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and isn't there something in our nature that says, oh, you're telling me don't touch it? I want to touch it. I want to touch it. It's like my wife, she says, don't eat that cake. Don't eat that. Careful, Grace. I mean, (laughs) she'll say, don't eat that cake. And just everything in me just says, eat it. Eat it. You can hear that little voice that's on your shoulder. Go on, eat it, eat it. (laughs) Come on, how many have done that? You know, I've got to confess, I've been stealing those chocolates out of the little things from America. (laughs) I love those. We brought them back from America. I'm just slowly. I know where you hide them. While we're on the tour, she's like, I'm, I'm eating some. I just ate a little crunchy. She said, I'm getting you a personal trainer. <laughs> personal trainer, teach me how to eat crunchies faster, stronger, quicker. <laughs> the more you say, don't touch the chocolates, I want to eat them. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. But she ate, they ate the food. God said, don't touch it. But they ate, they ate of it our na- because of our nature, because of what is in us. But uh, what that did is it, it brought death. It brought death. So sin brings death. The wages and consequences of sin is death. But, everybody say but. Yeah. But the gift of God, the gift of God, it's a gift. It's free. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're all sinners, and sin brings death, but, but, but Christ brings life. Here's the third piece of the puzzle, what I call the YOLO principle. Everybody say YOLO. Come on, say it like a black man now. YOLO. YOLO. YOLO for those of you who are over uh, 25. YOLO means you only live once. And the Bible teaches that. The Bible says there's no like ongoing lives that we can come back really stuffed up that life, I'll do another one, and then I'll do another one, and hopefully I'll get better. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach uh, a reincarnation. What the Bible teaches is that man is uh, destined to live once, and then basically die, and then man must give an account for his life. You must give an account for your bad self. You must give an account to a holy God for why I did 
what I did. And, and that, because remember, God is holy. And he, because he's holy, he, he expects us to live rightly and treat out to love our neighbors and to do those, uh, those things. But all of us know we've had that fight there. We had that fight there. All of us know. And all that's reminding us is we're falling short. We're falling short. We're falling short. I just can't do it. God, I'm trying to be a good person, but I'm falling short. I'm falling short. But it says YOLO. Well, it doesn't say YOLO. I'm saying YOLO. But... <laughs> It says in Hebrews 9, verse 27, just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment, we have to give an account for our lives to God because He's holy and we fall short. Now, and, uh, now friends, you've got to understand there's a God because he, he demands justice for sin. He demands justice for wrongdoing. And, and that's, you might think, oh, that's kind of crazy. But, but, but isn't in our world, the world that we live in, don't we, don't, don't we demand justice? The, the, on the TV this week, the, the people who, who murdered the little baby uh, uh, there and were sentenced, and they didn't get a life sentence, and they got a few years as much as they could whatever give them. Under that. But I, I can tell you, there'll be people standing at the TV going, that's not justice. They should take their own life. There'll be people saying, bring back the death penalty. Let them suffer. You know, there'll there be justice because that's how we work. Every day we watch stuff on the television and we go, that's not just, that's not right. They did this and they should be punished for that. Come on, we, all of us, inside of us, are wired that way to a sense of, a sense of justice. When we, when we see uh, 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 the fact that, that thousands are hungry in the world because they're living on one dollar a day and, that, uh, and, and then, then others are so well fed. Do you know, again, just reminding you, you're some of the richest people in the world. Oh, no, I'm not. It's pretty, pretty tough. No, you're, you're like 1% of the population of the world who has cars and who has, has this. Yet we, we watch this and we go, there's a sense of injustice here. Make it right. That's why we're the hands and feet of Jesus. That's why we feed the orphans. That's why we, we do those things because we want to be able to help and bring a sense of justice. Because it's not right that people should live that way. It's the same with God. He's saying there must be an account given for wrongdoing. Because I'm holy. And he's real holy. He's like holier than thou, for sure. In fact, he's so holy that the angels just all day, all night are going, this dude is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. This dude is holy. And so he demands justice. He demands that sin would be dealt with. We can paint a pretty picture. He's holy, but we fall short. He's holy, but we fall short. Which brings me to number four, and this is the good news. A radical rescue is required. A radical rescue is required. Here's the good news. Tap your neighbor and say, this is the good stuff. Romans 5.8 says, but God. See, all of us in our situation, all of us in our, what we're going through, and all of us in our difficulties and in our, our, our pain, I, I, I couldn't get through that situation, but then God. 
I couldn't work out. I couldn't get through. I was, uh, you know, struggling with mental illness. Or I, I, was, uh, I was walking through depression. I was walking through pain. But God met me in my situation. All of us right throughout this auditorium would have but God moments where God showed up and made a way where there seemed to be no way. But God, I didn't know how I was going to get through that situation. But God came and met me. I felt like I was in despair, like I couldn't move forward, like I couldn't, I couldn't break out of the situation I was in. But God, but God demonstrated, shows up, puts on display. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, this is the good news. I love this bit. I love this bit because you know what? This is what it's, what, what, what it's telling me. It's telling me that God didn't just wait for me to tidy myself up. God didn't wait for me to just, boy, get yourself a haircut before you come to church. Tidy yourself up and clean up that language. God didn't do that. God didn't do it. Now, I'm not saying you can go around swearing everywhere or whatever, but I, I'm telling you this. God did not, he, while we were still sinners. Another version says, while we were still enemies. Come on, I'm preaching good. While you were still enemies of God. Yes, you. While you were still an enemy of God, Christ loved you. He didn't say, you better change and then I'll see if I like you. Or I'll see if I accept you. No, no. While you were still a sinner, Christ died. Christ died. He demonstrated his own love for you. For not only is God holy. Now understand, when God, he doesn't have holiness, he is holy. But also understand this. God doesn't have love, he is love. Love is his very essence. He is love uh, personified. He is the very source of love. He doesn't get love, take love. He is the source of love. He doesn't run out of love. He hasn't got, well, I've got enough for you and not for you. No, no, he is love. He is holy and he is love. So it says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, what does that mean? Simply this. Here's the picture. Here's the righteous judge. You've got to give an account. You're before the judge. All of sin, the penalty for sin is death. The consequences of sin is death. We fall short, man. We've done the crime. We've got to do the time. You know how it is. We've done the crime. We've got to do the time. The judge says you're guilty. The penalty for sin is death. This is just a picture or an illustration. So you deserve the firing squad. Oh, hallelujah. Pretty scary. But then here's the good news of the gospel. I get this. That the judge himself says, now you're sentenced. You must die. And then what happens? The judge himself steps out because that's the holiness of God speaking. Then the judge himself gets out of his seat, comes down to where you are, and says, you know, you're guilty. I'm going to take your punishment for you. He pushes you to the side, stands in. Why? Because he loves you, my friend. Because he loves you. Sin must be atoned for. It must be paid for. And understand, just like you, you would say and swear at the TV and say, justice needs to be done in that situation. God, too, says justice needs to be done. But then his love says, now I will take the, the punishment that you deserve, I will take on myself. And the judge steps in and takes a bullet for you. He takes the bullet for you. And when he does that, guess what happens for you? You're free. The penalty has been paid. There's no more price. Your shame, your guilt, all of it is wiped away. You're free. And in the Bible, my Bible says this. 
He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Friend, you don't have to live in guilt anymore. You don't have to live in shame anymore. You don't have to carry that stuff anymore. You don't have to arrive at church feeling like a rotten worm and I just can barely make it because you've got to understand he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You can stand in the righteousness of God today. You can stand knowing that He has paid the price not just for today, not just for yesterday, but for tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. You muck up tomorrow, He's there to to take that price. He's done it once and for all. You can know freedom today. You can walk out of here if you haven't said yes to Him. When you walk out of here, you can walk out of here knowing that freedom. He paid the price. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. Holiness satisfied, love demonstrated so that you can walk free. In the Bible is a story of Barabbas. During that time when Jesus was going towards the cross, they were yelling out to Pontius Pilate, crucify him, crucify him. Pontius Pilate says, why? Why would I do this? He is an innocent man. He has done nothing. He is innocent. And then Pilate introduced that or reminded the Jews of the, the tradition of the people that says, look, on this day of atonement, I, can, I, I have the power to, as per the tradition, to release one of the prisoners. I have before me Barabbas. Barabbas was a rebel, a murderer. He'd done crime. He had broken the law. He was a sinner. And he said, I have Jesus. Which one shall I release? I give you the choice. They all shouted out, release Barabbas. Release Barabbas. But this man is innocent. Release Barabbas. He's a murderer. He deserves to die. Release Barabbas. But he sinned. He's, he, he should be going to that cross. Not this man. He is innocent. Release him. Pilate releases Barabbas. And Jesus steps in his place and goes to the cross. The innocent lamb of God taking on the sin of Barabbas and the sins of us all in that moment, in that place. What happened to Barabbas? He's now innocent. He's now free. Why? Because Christ took the penalty. Christ took upon himself what Barabbas deserved. And that is a picture of what he has done for you. What we we deserve, he has taken on. So that we can live free today. For he who the Son sets free is truly free indeed. And here's the thing, point five, Christ did it all. Christ did it all. It says, for it is by grace. What does grace mean? Unmerited favor. You, can't, you don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. Isn't it awesome when someone gives a gift or someone does something to you and you go, man, I don't, <laughs> man, I don't, deserve, I, I, I don't deserve that. Friends, Christ has given us what we don't deserve. What do we deserve? The punishment for our sins. But for it is by grace, His unmerited favor, that you have been saved through faith. And listen, this is not from yourselves. This is not something you can go, look, I was a really good person. I was really nice. I helped 15 old ladies cross the road uh, last week. I gave, you know, $20 million to charity. I did all this type of thing. I am just so absolutely awesome. No, no, no. This is not from yourselves. None of that. It is the gift of God, not by works, not by what you do or don't do or uh, say or don't say, 
It is not by works so that no one can boast, so that no one can say. You've got to understand, you can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't bribe it. It is free. It's a gift, but it does have to be accepted and received. And I understand it's a free gift, but it's not a cheap gift. Free, but not cheap. It cost God his own son. His son died so that you could have this freedom. Free, but not cheap. Cost God everything. God's riches at Christ's expense. Cost God everything. But it has to be accepted, received, and believed. And when it is, when it is accepted, when it is received, when it is uh, uh, believed, it changes everything. When it comes to number six, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. When we, he's received, when he's believed, we become a child of God. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, listen, this is speaking of you if you've received him today. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Everybody say the right. You know, you got rights. You can hold your banner. I've got some rights. I'm, I'm standing up for my rights. What's your rights? Your rights are that you can say. When the enemy comes and says, I don't know, I don't think God likes you. No, I want to tell you something. I've received, I've believed, I want to tell you, I'm no longer a slave. I am a child of God. The Bible says it, and it's my right to stand here today and to tell you I'm a child of God. Oh, yeah, I'm not perfect. Oh, yeah, I've got stuff going through. Oh, yeah, I'm still walking through. But because of what Christ has done, because all of it is from God, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I need God. Yes, there is a consequence for sinner. But God demonstrated his love for me, that while I was still a sinner, while I was still a sinner, he loved me, and I received that. He died from me in a cross and gave me the gift of eternal life and that today I can stand here today free because he's taken the penalty yo 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 I can live life without the weight of guilt and shame because of what Christ has done he gave them the right he gave you the right oh yeah we so Sometimes don't act like. Sometimes people say to my kids, hey, you have to remember, you're a pastor's kid. You've got to watch out. You can't yell like that or be crazy like that. Like, like it's there. But sometimes people might look at your life and go, hey, you have to remember, you're, you're the son of the king, king's kid. You need to sort yourself out. But you've got to tell them, friend, my kids don't change because of the way they behave. They, they, they are always my kids. You've got to understand, you're always God's kid. You're always God's kid, and you have the right. I, I'm talking to my daddy. Oh, yeah, but you're misbehaving. You're doing it. No, no, no. I, I'm not intentionally doing it. I want, I want to live my life to please God, so I'm not purposely living that way. I want to put, but sometimes I stuff up. I don't know about you, but quite regularly. Come on, somebody, be honest now. Can I have any hands? You stuffed up even this week. Come on. Let's be honest. The rest of you are lying. See, you've all stuffed up. All of us have. Lie, lie, pants on fire. because of what Christ has done you have the right wave the banner show the sign I protest I have the right to say I'm a child of God and I didn't do it but God did it on the cross of Calvary to all who did receive him to those who believed in his name he gave them the right to become the children of God and number seven in the framework is here I am Say to your friend or that person in Revelation 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. 
anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. God's saying, if you understand this, that we've sinned, that there's a penalty for sin, but there's a gift of God. The penalty's death, but the gift of God is life. He took the penalty so we could live free. He's paid the price so we can walk in freedom. So would you accept that today, my friend? Maybe you're here today and you're going, man, is that what the gospel is? I never knew. Maybe in this moment you go, man, I just realized I am a sinner. Do you know God? Do you know where you'd spend eternity if you were to die today? The reality is the statistics are 100%. We will all die. It's just part of our sin nature. It's just, it's going to happen. Could be this week, could be, I don't know, uh, 20 years from now, but the statistics are 100%. Are you right with God? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. Pastor, you don't know how bad I am, friend not about how bad you are. This is about how good He is and what He's made. It was all of us fall short. We're all sinners. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed right across this auditorium, no one move. This is a holy moment right now. Do you know you need to get right with God? You know in your heart, man, I, I, I'm Jesus. Pastor, that's me. I'm a sinner, man. I, I need to get get my life right with God. That's me. You're speaking to me. As you were talking, Pastor, that was going right to my heart. I just know I need to get right with God. In a moment, I'm going to just give you that opportunity to say, here I am. Maybe he's knocking on the door of your heart right now, and you just know you need to respond to it. So I want to pray a prayer that says, yes, God, come. I want to give my life to you. I want you to be king of it. I want you to be, I've tried to do it, but I know I'm just a sinner. I'm trying to do it on my own self, but I'm falling short. So right now, wherever you are, if that's me and you want to be included in that prayer to say yes to Jesus, I need to get right with God. Wherever you're sitting, back, front, left, right, just put your hand straight up in the air and say, that's me, Pastor. Would you include me in that prayer? Anybody here today? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God here today. Just keep that hand up nice and high so I can see it. Anyone else? You know you need to say yes to Jesus today. Make him Lord of your life. Put those hands down. Let's just pray all together with those people. Lord Jesus, come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, I would ask you, help me to walk in your way. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, and be king of my life. I give my life to you today. Help me to follow you days of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, know that you are saved. Know that you uh, you are born again, the Bible speaks about. And that you can walk in the freedom that comes from Jesus Christ today. Friends, that's what the gospel message is in a nutshell. Hundreds of other scriptures can be told like Jesus did not come for the uh, uh, just for the well, but he came for the sick. Scriptures like he came for the lost and all of that, those type of things. I can use hundreds, but these just give you a bit of a framework to put around your story so that when you're sharing your message, when you're sharing your testimony, you remember, man, yeah, I, 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 I just couldn't work it out. I kept mucking up my life. What is that? Well, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And allow those things, that framework. Maybe we'll print it out for you when we do part four. As I said, next week, Pastor Byron is coming from a Christmas church. Bring some friends along today. 
bring some friends. Remember, this is we have a ministry of reconciliation. Ask yourself, who could I invite to come into this atmosphere? That just like Michelle would come in and go, man, it's strange, but I feel God here. Because I want to tell you, this message is not just for us. It is for the whole world. Can I hear an amen? It is about five of you. Can I hear an amen? It's not just for us. Think about it. This week, who can I, who can I invite? Who can I bring? that got to do with the gospel? We'll come and find out in part four.